Welcome to episode seven of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. I'm your host, Doug McCain. And today's episode, we're going to break down game two of the NBA Finals, talk some baseball, talk some softball, NBA free agency rumors. But you got to start up in Toronto where the Warriors, they get that split. They beat the Raptors 109-104. Danny Green puts up another three. Shot won't go. That'll do it. Golden State has tied the finals. What a gritty performance on the road. Another road win for Golden State. And really, it was all sparked by that third quarter for the Dubs. The thing about the Warriors, you got to stop that Curry flurry. You got to stop when they go on those runs. And they went on one of their historic runs. 18-0 third quarter run. 22-1 run dating all the way back to the end of the second quarter. So that was really the story. They go on that huge run. And Draymond was great again. One assist shy of a triple-double. And Toronto... The first half, they could have buried the Warriors. So Toronto, that building, that was electric. Jurassic Park, they were at it again. Barack Obama was in the house. The 44th president of the United States, he showed up. And they had everything going in the first half, but it was really about Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson was absolutely sensational in that first half. He took, you know, his shots, usually it's catch and shoot. His shot was like touch and go because he had no space, but he was still connecting on those catch and shoots. All 10 of his field goals in the first half were contested. He made seven of them, and he was three out of three from three. So Clay Thompson, he really kept a minute in that first half, and it was also the free throws. The Warriors, they stayed aggressive, and they – They kept trying to get to the hole, and they were rewarded with those free throw attempts. They shot 13 free throws in the first quarter and 19 total in the first half. So that kept a minute along with Klay Thompson. And in the second half, you can't keep him down for long. The Warriors go on one of those runs, and they did just that. So Boogie Cousins, he came off the bench. He did some really nice things for them. Only eight minutes in game one. And then game two, he was crucial. 11 points, 10 monster rebounds, six assists, and he was dishing it down the stretch. He finished with six assists, and the Warriors, that's what they do. Points off assists, and you saw they had that backdoor cut play working all day long, that baseline cut, Bogut was finishing at the rim, and their last 22 shots that the Warriors made were all on assists. So the Warriors assisted on all of their last 22 shots, and they had that size to get those those rebounds. So now in double figures, Marcus Cousins now in double figures. Iguodala comes out of the pack. I love how Quinn Cook is competing and shooting and hitting three three pointers for Cook. Nick Nurse mentioned it right after the game that the Raptors are going to have to do a better job offensively, and they need to hit shots. Or when you're not taking care of it or scoring. Just kind of playing it back through my head. I thought we had, uh, I know we had one little turnover where, where Danny slipped to the rim and and tried to kick it out. And and but I think you know Mark had a couple real nice little looks there and and we had four or five decent possessions there and we just came away empty on all of them. And then we had probably four or five that were not good possessions either. So 
um, you know, certainly the offense hurt the chance. Because that's what it came down to. The Raptors, despite letting the Warriors go on that huge run, Klay Thompson goes down, Steph Curry apparently was battling flu-like symptoms, and they still had a chance to win this game. And after they cut the lead to eight points with just over three minutes left in the game, this is what they did. This is how their shot sequence went down. Missed a three, missed a three, turned it over, missed a shot. Then it goes down to one minute left in the game. The Raptors climb all the way back within five points, Clay Thompson went down, and then also Kawhi Leonard hit huge three huge free throws. Curry, he turned it over. Lowry got that ball, and they were able to get some free throws off that. They cut it all the way to five, and this is how it went down. Missed three, missed shot, missed three, missed shot. So if they hit any of those baskets, if they get any of those buckets in the last couple of minutes, then this could easily be 2-0 Toronto, and the Warriors could go back to Oakland trailing. Instead, they get the split, and you got to fear that if they go on to lose this series, the Toronto Raptors, that they can look no further than that fourth quarter where they were just so abysmal offensively. So the Raptors, they shot 28.9% from three, 37.7% from the field. So 37% is not going to get it done against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. And you look at that polar opposite from game one. Game one, they shot 39.4% from three and 50% all around. So really, even with the poor shooting, they still had a chance. They almost got that steal. They pressed, and they almost forced that turnover. Instead, it goes to Andre Iguodala, and he hits the dagger. So he, they leave him wide open. Okay, and Toronto, I know that Andre Iguodala is not a part of the Splash Brothers. He's not one of the best shooters in the NBA, but you leave a former Finals MVP, Andre Iguodala has shown that he can hit those shots, and you leave him wide open in that situation, and you know that he's going to probably connect there, and he does. He gets the dagger, and I thought it was funny. After the game, Andre Iguodala... They asked him about it, and he's just chilling in his locker, not even at the podium, and he says that he's more excited to read a book. So he said that he's excited to read a book, and... I'm looking forward to reading a book. 45 minutes. Even in a finals game, then it was no different. I was having a time. You made the right play. That's it. I have no idea what book he was going to read or what it was excited to read, but if it was crime and punishment, it was a crime that the Raptors left them that open, and Andre Iguodala, he punished them. He hits the dagger, and the Warriors, they go up 2 nothing. So let's not overreact here. I still am confident that the Raptors can get it done. The Raptors in seven. I didn't think it was going to be a short series. I think the Raptors can definitely go into Oakland, especially now the Warriors, it comes down to, they're like the Golden State Warriors. They need to see, they're like the Golden State survivors. Who's going to survive this series with Golden State? Klay Thompson looks like he's going to be down with a hamstring injury. He said he's going to play in game three, but... He's not going to be 100%.
Kevin Durant. Even if he's close to 100%, he's got to get his rhythm back. Kavon Looney. Don't underestimate the importance of Kavon Looney. He does a lot of the dirty work for Golden State. He's probably going to be out. Steph Curry apparently has the flu, but he looks okay. So it really comes down to the Warriors how are they going to be as far as health is concerned? Iguodala, he got that hard screen by Marcus Saul. He doesn't look like uh, he's 100% physically at least. So we'll see at the longer this series goes, it's really attrition. Who's going to last long in this series and who's going to have enough in the tank to carry it home, Raptors or Warriors? So after the game, Curry... He said what I just told you. You don't leave Andre Iguodala open. I don't care what the percentages say. He's hit big threes in past finals. He's hit corner threes. He's hit angle threes. And a lot of times, he's wide open because the ter- they terrify you with Ke- Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant. He's going to get open looks, and he hit it. So give him credit. Steph Curry, after the game, not only did he say, what were they thinking leaving Iguodala open, but he also criticized that box one defensive strategy, calling it janky. Check out Steph Curry right here after the game. Steph, it's hard to imagine in the course of one game a team facing more adversity. You didn't look right. You lose Looney. You lose Clay, etc., etc. How on earth do you walk away out of this road win? Let's play until the finish, everybody. Just stay composed. I mean, they're a great team. They make runs, but that third quarter, we uh, imposed our will and got stops from defensive end. And no matter how ugly it was down the stretch, got it done. Step down the stretch, they made a big run, and late Andre Iguodala, with several seconds remaining, takes that shot. Describe the confidence you had or what you thought when he released it. The whole fourth quarter, they were playing some janky defense, just trying to send bodies to me everywhere. And our whole roster just took advantage of it. Like, over the course of the game, that's kind of disrespectful to leave Andre Iguodala open like that. You know, with the game on the line, he's made big shots like that before. And uh, he got it done tonight. DeMarcus Cousins hadn't played in 45 days before game one. He plays just eight minutes. Steve decides to start him. Can you describe what the influence he had on your group tonight? He just did what he, what he does. He played aggressive, played smart. He got other people involved with, you know, passing out of the post. Made a couple big shots. Um, and just gave us energy. Like, obviously, you said we had two guys go down. He stepped up big time. Um, and he's appreciative of the moment. He's playing in his first finals, and this is uh, big time for him. Young Quinn Cook, who was at periods out of the lineup, maybe lost some equity with the coaches. When Clay goes out, starts making shots. How does he do that? What gives him the confidence? His journey has been crazy. And, like, he's, he has probably has the most confidence on his team. When he gets out there, um, again, the way they defended us is taking shots that he knows he can make. He works on it, and he always stays ready throughout the regular season and playoffs. And, uh, you know, huge plays for us, for sure. Steph, you told us that the speed of this team was something that didn't translate on TV, that you had to get accustomed to playing them. What can you take back to Oracle for Game 3? Our defense wins games. Uh, I don't know how many fast break points they got, but they never created momentum that way tonight. So... Obviously, Kawhi played better, got loose, but we pretty much held everybody else uh, under what they did in the first game. So just playing defense, man, being competitive, talking. Uh, Draymond was our anchor tonight and made enough plays to give us a cushion down the stretch, and 
that was it. As poorly as you just felt, thank you for hanging in there with me. Appreciate it. Mike. All right, Doris. Another- but you have to admit it did work. It did. It was effective for stretches, but come on, Nick Nurse. We don't need no college defense in the NBA Finals, but it worked. And the Raptors, they lose very, very disappointing. It's not a wrap for the Raptors, but, man, you had a serious opportunity. They had an opportunity to really, really push Golden State to the edge on the brink of a must-win game. They uh, On the brink of a must-win game, because if they're up 2-0, game three is must-win. And the Raptors, they could have gone 2-0. They could have headed back. Clay Thompson's hamstring all these advantages they would have had. Now it's going to be a dogfight. So I don't think it's series is over. It's a split. Raptors, they got to get Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard had a nice bounce back game. You know, as far as he looked better, he's just so physically imposing. And Kawhi Leonard, after the game, this guy's dropping gems. I'm up. Uh, Livingston found him and he knocked down a shot. Big shot. Did you want to see the ball in his hands in that situation? compared to anybody else on the floor? No, we wanted to see it in our hands. (laughs) We wanted to get a steal. And then, of course, you have this one from earlier in the postseason. All right, Kawhi, what differentiates you when the defense is right there in your face and you still hit those tough shots? Uh, You know, my teammates have confidence in me. I work on those shots every day. And, you know, it just went down tonight. I was able to knock it down. All right, thank you, Kawhi. We've got to go. Thank you. One, all right. That was great. Wait, you want more questions? No, I'm good. I'm good with one. <laughs> all right, guys. Bye. Uh, Kawhi's a little upset, Ross. <laughs> you had this one after Milwaukee. Where do you go from here, Kawhi? Where do you go from here? I'm um, going to Toronto, game three. <laughs> what needs? So reports, you got to be careful. Kawhi Leonard's a witty dude, so watch out for the claw in the post game because I love it. And it's really been great getting to know this version of Kawhi Leonard. Of course, you had the famous laugh earlier in the year, the laugh heard around the world at the press conference. He's got the goat laugh in all of sports history. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> <laughs> And then in the post game, he's hilarious. And it's really just great getting to know this Kawhi Leonard because we didn't see in San Antonio. He was kind of hidden a little bit by Greg Popovich. But he had another great night. 34 points, 8 of 20 shooting, 2 of 9 from 3. And the only thing with Kawhi Leonard is he does look gassed out there. He looks fatigued. And this guy... They need to get him fresh. The game three isn't until Wednesday, so they're going to have two full days rest. Game's on Wednesday night, so look for him to be more fresh, get some rest, and he's got to come out and have a more efficient shooting night for the Raptors to have a chance to get that home court advantage back. So Raptors, they drop game two. It's all good, Raptors fans. I'm still confident. Raptors in seven. This is going to be a long series. So just sit back, relax, and we got some great games coming up. So moving on, of course you need your Drake update, right? You got to get a little of your Drake fix. I'll give you an update. So Drake, he shows up to the game, and he's been really making statements with his hoodies. He's making statements with his hoodies, and he shows up to the game with – Kevin McAllister, 
Macaulay Culkin on the back saying, where's Kevin? In a reference to Kevin Durant not playing the game. And Kevin and, and Drake, you know I'm a, I'm a Drake fan, right? But Drake, I think he took the L on this one. I wasn't very impressed. Kevin Durant wasn't playing in the game. You know he wasn't going to show up. And this is when he goes from Drake to Aubrey Graham. Aubrey Graham, that's his real name. And he looked like more like Aubrey Graham. He was sulking on the, on the sidelines. He wasn't very happy. And after the game, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, they were not holding back. They went in on Drake, and they were trolling in hard right after the game outside of the locker room. Check this out. The Bay Aubrey. You weren't talking tonight, were you? That was light work too. But Drake, he took it on the chin, and I think Drake, man, if I'm Drake, I think I spend the next couple days getting those Kevin Durant and Steph Curry tattoos lasered off, okay? Because you don't want to show up in Oakland, and you better show up, Drake. I'm telling you right now, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I just saw some seats sold for $98,000, $98,000 seats for the Warriors Game 3. I better hope one of those is yours. You better be in Oakland so he got trolled. Hold on. They're going home with that split. Drake took the L with the hoodie. So that's, that's that with Drake right now. Next, we're going to stay in the NBA and talk some NBA free agency rumors. So Rick Buecher, he goes on to the herd with Colin Cowherd, and he says, the latest that I've heard is that it's between Brooklyn and the Lakers. And I've heard that the Lakers and Kobe Bryant have been busy recruiting Kyrie in particular to try to get him to the Lakers. So he also goes on to say, now everything that I've heard, I would still expect that Kyrie is going to Brooklyn, that the odds-on favorite is the Nets, and if we're going to continue to break down real estate, he points out that Kyrie just bought a place in South Orange, New Jersey. So first you take from that, to extrapolate from that comment by Rick Buecher, one, it looks like the Knicks aren't in it, so what does that mean for KD going to New York? And then two, what does that mean for Boston? So now Boston... Do, are they a trade piece for Anthony Davis will, it, without having Kyrie Irving in the fold? And it looks like he's not going to sign with Boston where he could sign for an extra year and more money. So if you're Celtics fans, this has to be either discouraging or encouraging, depending on how you felt about his stay with the Celtics. But if I'm Kyrie Irving, I just want to say Kyrie Irving. You force your way out of Cleveland to get to Boston because you wanted your own team. You wanted your own market. You wanted your own identity outside of LeBron James. And now your move after being in everyone's one of the criticisms of Kyrie Irving is that he's injury prone. His first year with Boston, his knee goes out. He doesn't play and they make it to the conference finals without Kyrie Irving. And then he comes back and they get smoked in the second round. Okay. So Kyrie Irving, this is what you want. You want to go from Cleveland 
playing with LeBron to Boston. First year was a bust. Second year, you get smoked by the Bucks in five, and they don't even make it to the finals. And now you want to crawl back to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. What are you thinking with your career, with your legacy? The narrative of Kyrie Irving is going to be that he couldn't win without LeBron. He couldn't do it as a superstar on his own team, that he's a Robin instead of a Batman. And that's your move to go crawling back to LeBron to LeBron, the Los Angeles Lakers. If you've seen Kyrie's Irving, Kyrie Irving's movie, Uncle Drew, which I think is hilarious, there's a scene where Uncle Drew's at the park and he's criticizing the new generation of, N- of basketball players. Dr. Naismith would be rolling in his grave if he knew what these bums is up to out here. Talk a lot of smack for geriatric. It's a shame you can't back any of it up. And who's to say I can't? <laughs> All right, then. What's the bet? If you win, I'll leave the park and I'll never come back. Good. It's real good. But if I win, you and your crew start playing the game the way it's meant to be played. Oh, and how's that? On a peach basket? (laughs) And I just think that's that's funny because this generation of hoopers, the Kevin Durant's going to Golden State, guys trying to link up and starting these super teams – And Kyrie Irving, instead of doing it on your own, instead of building your own legacy outside of LeBron, the fact you're even entertaining the idea, I don't think you realize what this means for your legacy. Because the streets, the barbershops, NBA fans everywhere, I don't care what you do. If he goes back to the Lakers, if he goes to the Lakers, he goes back to LeBron, and they win everyone's going to say he ran back to LeBron. He couldn't do it on his own. And I'm a fan of Kyrie Irving. He's got the best handles in NBA history. He's got the ball on a string. I'm a fan of Uncle Drew. I like the Kyrie uh, Nike kicks. I mean, I'm not, so I'm not hating on Kyrie. He's a great player, but you can't do this. this is, it's not career suicide because you're still a great player, but it could be legacy-defining as far as him opting to go back with LeBron. Kyrie Irving, forge your own path. Go to Brooklyn if you need to. Go to the New York Knicks. Start something with Kevin Durant where it's a fresh start. But don't go back to LeBron James. I don't want to see it, and I just really hope that he doesn't come to Lakers and join LeBron James. So, And I don't know if you guys saw this in baseball, but my man Odor yesterday for Texas This guy was rocking his pants super shorts. He was on some Daisy Dukes level stuff with the Rangers. Had it way, way above the knees. Oh, Dorr strikes out on three pitches, two away here with the second inning. You know what else I just saw there? What's that? He's going with the Hunter Pence pants way up above the knees. Like I said, listen, you try anything over the course of a year. He's not the only one. Is Guzzi doing, doing it too? Doing it too. Oh, listen, some... you're player of the month. Everybody's going to do what you're doing. <laughs> That's awesome. Some mild mocking, maybe from teammates as well. Hunter what? Pence wears his pants like nobody else in the game. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> what in the wide world of sports is going on here? And I'm just saying, man, not feeling the look, Odor. There's a reason why the White Sox discontinued those 1976 uniforms where they're wearing shorts. And it was a short story for the White Sox with those because you don't rock shorts in baseball. I know you have socks on underneath that, but I'm just saying, I'm not feeling the look. I know you're batting 168 and you haven't had a hit since you punched Batista a few years ago, but come on, man. 
you got to just change up that look. I know you may be trying to get your way out of a slump, but that's just not looking good right there, dude. I mean, come on. I don't like it. Odor, do what you want, though. Hey, you know what? Do what you want. If it makes you happy, I'm cool with it. But I, I just don't think the baseball uniforms look good like that. I mean, John Stockton thinks those are short. But it's all good. But also want to stay on the diamond, and we're going to break out some softball, okay? If you saw this weekend, the UCLA softball team, they're going to the NCAA championship to face the Oklahoma Sooners, and it was all thanks to junior pitcher Rachel Garcia. What she did on Sunday was absolutely ridiculous, okay? She struck out 16 batters. She pitched, she threw 179 pitches while not giving up a run in 10 innings, okay? So she's throwing gas. She's killing it on as a pitcher. And then what does she do? She steps up to the plate in the bottom of the 10th inning, and she punched UCLA's ticket to the championship by hitting a walk-off home run. Another strikeout for Garcia. And she continues to keep Washington at bay. In the air to left. Rachel Garcia with the biggest swing of her life. And she walks the boards into the championship for the first time in nine years. So she 179 pitches, no leaves up, gives up no runs, and then she gets the walk off. You have got to be kidding me! Big props, shout out to Rachel Garcia. 16 strikeouts, no runs, 10th inning walk off. She's like the Babe Ruth of of women's softball, and it was just a moment, man. They need to make a new Avenger. She she's Thanos. She's she's someone that is just unbelievable and really one of the great performances. In, I don't care what sport it is. Find me a championship-level performance all year long that's going to be as good as Rachel Garcia. I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find that. And really, that was some serious greatness. So, Rachel Garcia, shout-out to you because you just were amazing yesterday. Gotta love it. And for the last topic today, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA's rating. So the NBA game one, they were down 18%. Game two, it drew a 10.5. And it's a little skewed because it doesn't include Canada. But still, it's down 18%. Yes, you don't have the league signature player in LeBron James. Yes, you don't have a major market like a New York, a Los Angeles, a Boston even. But still, ratings are down and... I think one thing that could have helped just a little bit is ABC and ESPN. They dropped the ball big time by not using John Tesh's round ball rock for NBA games. So if you don't know round ball rock, you definitely have heard of it. It's the famous theme from the NBA on NBC. You know what I'm talking about. NBA on NBC, the Bulls, the Lakers, Iverson. Okay, okay, that's we can't we can't get the rights to it, but we can play you the answering machine that was the demo for the round ball rock theme. So John Tesh he revealed 
that he was working for Entertainment Tonight. He was covering the Tour de France, and he got the idea for the round ball rock theme, and he called his answering machine, and this is what what was the early demo of the round ball rock. Check this out. I know you were dying to hear it. There we go. But it has to be played on the original answering machine. So here now, the original demo tape for this particular song for pro basketball. Hi, this is a message for me about the NBA theme. Here's an idea. It goes like this. And really, that's the sound you think of. When you think of NBA in the 90s and early 2000s, that's what comes to mind. The Olympics used it. NBC used it for the Olympics for a couple years. And now Fox has the theme, and they're playing it for college basketball. Doesn't feel right. It shouldn't be played for college basketball. Doesn't really sound like a college basketball theme. But my issue with ABC and ESPN is they had the opportunity to use Round Ball Rock when they took over the NBA rights from NBC back in 2002. So John Tesh, he owns the publishing rights to the song, not NBC. So he owns those rights, and he offered it to ABC ESPN for just a couple hundred thousand, uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars in royalties. And he said, quote, ABC, when they got the NBA, we went to them and said, if you want to use the theme, I own the publishing. They said, we are looking for a different sound. I didn't want to beg or anything. I said, I know Elton John and Billy Joel and Eric Clapton. I can get them all to play on the song. They love it. And NBA on ABC and ESPN, they said no thanks. They wanted their own sound, which is like corporate speak for we want to do our own thing. And really, I think it was a huge missed opportunity. I mean, the round ball rock is synonymous with NBA basketball, and I really think they should bring it back. Yes, it's nice hearing Stevie Wonder or different artist songs, but you can also play that. But the ABC song, it's not iconic. Just try to hum the ABC song right now. Exactly. Nothing really comes to mind, you know. But, you know, it was on Saturday. It was parodied on Saturday Night Live, for, for instance. I mean, it was big time, and it's what you think of when you think of the NBA. And really, it blows me away that ESPN and ABC did not take advantage of the fact that it wasn't owned by NBC and that John Tesh owned the publishing. They could have had it. And just watching last night's game, I was just thinking to myself, man, I know it's just a song, but this song gets you so hyped on basketball, and I'm not saying it would add more millions of more viewers, but, man, I just think they should really consider bringing that back. It's not too late. John Tesh still owns the rights, and Fox has it for a year. So really disappointing to learn that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. Hope you guys have a great week. See you Wednesday, and I'm out.